Okay. So do you want to give a little introduction on yourself, on what you do, your pronouns, um, any, any other information you want our listeners to know about you? Yeah. So my name is Mix Thomas. Um, I am a therapist in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, my background is in social work. I have a master's of social work. And I work primarily with gender nonconforming, non-binary, trans, queer folks. Um, I always love talking to another social worker because I feel like we're very, we're very unique in the way that we like practice Mm -hmm. as opposed to like PhDs or counselors or just like other people who do therapy. Um, I always talk about this with Alex because we are very strong in our social work views. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So do you want to share a little bit about um, what like brought you into this field? Yeah. So I thought when I was an undergrad that I wanted to be an industrial organizational psychologist. And then I got a job working with a bunch of industrial organizational psychologists and decided, nope, that's not it. (laughs) So I went on. Oh, wait, hold on. I think I lost you. I don't know. I can't hear you anymore. Come back in a second. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Okay. My does that sometimes, and it's really annoying. Um. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I heard you say about industrial psychologists. Okay. And how they were not fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, decided that was not what I wanted, and went on a bit of a journey, trying to decide what I did want. Like, kind of did some project management. That wasn't it. And then so I started volunteering I was trying to enrich my life outside of work because I was bored with work um started volunteering for a sexual assault hotline and during that training I was like wait I actually because therapy and that wasn't therapy but it ended up being a little bit different than I expected I had always thought like oh I could be a therapist but I don't really want to because I don't want to like take on people's stuff and I'm like wait that's not what therapy is So it was through that training that I realized like, oh, this is something I actually can do and I'm going to. So I did. I, that training was in like January of 2015 and I started grad school in September of 2015. So it was like, just, this is it. I'm doing this. I found my calling. This is the thing. And I was right. So (laughs) I love that. That's, I feel like that's such a, a special thing to feel like this is it. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. I love that. Um, so you did your master's in social work. Um, have you all, like, since you graduated, have you always been working as a therapist or did you do anything else um, yeah. before that? Yeah, I, so straight out of grad school, I took a job at a nonprofit working with um, folks coming out of incarceration of returning citizens. Um, it was at a nonprofit and I just, I didn't excel at the job and I didn't, I don't think I had the right support like at the job. So, but I was a therapist part-time. Like I started that job and taking a couple clients a week at the same time and did that job for about nine months, sort of had a realization that I didn't want to be doing that job anymore. And I wanted to be a therapist full-time. So like ramped up my caseload really fast and made that jump. So I love that. I um, personally have had like 
I'm going to say maybe 10 jobs since I graduated. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of, I know um, I did an episode with Alex where we talked about like all the different places where like you might find a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, a common experience for social workers to have like all these different things that they kind of try on before they find right. like what fits or while you're waiting for that, like, clinical license to kick in so that you can work on your own um so yeah I I like that you I like that you knew right away though that like that's what you probably wanted to do um do you want to talk a little bit about you like specializing in working with gender non-conforming and um, transgender individuals and like how you got to that point realizing that that's what you wanted to specialize in yeah that's a good question. You asking that. I'm like, I don't remember when I decided that or how I decided that or why I did. I mean, like, obviously I am non-binary and I like working with other non-binary folks, but yeah, I think originally I thought like this might be too narrow a specialty. So I'll probably have some trans clients, but like in general have to work with not have to work with but I think in general like I would need to be wider have a wider specialty than that and like that's not true (laughs) there are not a lot I mean there are some in the DC area but there are only a few non-binary therapists and that I know oh wait pause I lost you again I missed, I missed part of that. So (laughs) I heard you say there are a few non-binary therapists like in the DC area, but not many. I could imagine that people, um, you know, I know in my own experience, like people who are looking for a therapist want a therapist that they feel like can, they can identify with. So I could imagine that you probably do get a lot of clients, right. That like are looking for you specifically. Right. Yeah. There is a lot of that, which feels really good (laughs) that people are like seeking me out specifically, but yeah, yeah. There's a, the, the supply outweighs the demand outweighs the supply in the area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is there anything, do you have clients that are not non-binary or trans or do you like really mostly have those, those clients? Yeah. I also work with some cis queer folks too. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty open to anyone that comes to me really so yeah well that's great um what do you what do you find are like the most common things that people are coming to you with like when they are searching for therapy well I'm convinced now like I wasn't before that everyone has anxiety and depression or Mm -hmm. one or the other like (laughs) particularly queer and trans folks because you know just existing in the world is scary um yeah, a lot of people coming to me to work through transition or actually in 2020, it was a lot of folks being like, I've never thought this before, but I might be trans. Mm. Like having that time to sort of, you know, be with yourself and that sort of stuff brought up stuff that people had never given them chance, like people hadn't given themselves space to think about, which was really, that was a lot of fun. So that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, something that I love, like, as a therapist is helping people work through, like, that identity exploration. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I, I have seen too, I work in a place that's like really specialized. I work um, with children who've experienced domestic violence. Um, but I've found since I started, I started my job in January. Um, so I've found that I'm going to say at least like 70% of our kids that come in are doing more identity work than trauma work. And I, I don't want to say like instead of doing trauma work, because I think the identity work really goes hand in hand with the trauma work mm-hmm. um, and they're doing it all, you know, in, in coming in with us. Um, but I've seen, I'm going to say like at least six or seven kids in the last month, like tell us like, this is the name that I'm going by now. Or, you know, I'm using they, them pronouns now, like, please like refer to me in that way. Um, or, you know, like telling us as like, we're like safe people for them, but like telling us like, this is the name that I use and these are my pronouns. And I haven't told my mom yet, but like, this is how I want to do that. Or like working through that or like kind of like exploring what that means for them. And some of them are as young as 10, you know, like, we, we see like really, and we see really little kids too, as young as three. And we see like a lot of that more like unconscious identity work going on at that age. Um, but I found that over the last, I mean, since I started this job, but even before that, when I was at my last job over this last year, there are so many people that are really like taking that time to like explore who they are and like all the facets of themselves. And so much of that is like gender and sexuality, like identity stuff that's coming up. And it's really, it, I feel like it is so cool that that's what's happening right now because we have been given this like really horrific space where we're like stuck in this environment. But at the same time, it's like kind of like pushing people to do this like exploration and like self-identity where they might not have even like thought of or like had the time to do that before. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's been really cool. And also just, I mostly work with adults. Um, and I also, like, I didn't come out as non-binary until I was like 30. Cause I just didn't have the language. So it's mm-hmm. so cool to see kids like that young being like, yes, I have this language to identify what I am. And that's just what I am. And it's cool. It's, that is yeah. so awesome. Like the kids are changing the world. I know. I, I find when I'm working with parents, um, I really have to do a lot of work with them to understand like why their kids are expressing themselves in this way or why their kids like do have this language that like as a parent, they don't understand and trying to just like educate parents on like the terms and language and like what that means and like being open to it and like how to handle those kinds of like conversations and stuff like that. Um, I definitely struggle with some parents being less accepting than others and not being as like willing to learn. Um, But it's really incredible to see like these kids so young having this language and being able to like express themselves like and be confident in the way that they're identifying mm-hmm. um I know even like as little as five years ago I was working with kids that really didn't have this language and didn't understand what it meant so like to get to see this is so like exciting um but also frustrating that parents like are really really struggle with like understanding right. yeah Yeah, and I think it's interesting to hear you talk about that, and then I sort of, like, fast forward and see, like, what I work with with adults Mm -hmm. is parents who either get it, like, have done the work or getting it, or, like, parents who need other boundaries placed around them, Mm -hmm. 
um, yeah work a lot with like boundaries around unaccepting family stuff yeah Um, yeah I I could imagine that that's probably like one of the hardest things to like help somebody through I know in my in my experience I've seen that a lot but it like with little kids like they don't really have a whole lot of flexibility to like not be around their parents um what do you feel like in terms of like age ranges do you feel like it differs based on like how old somebody is or how young they are like what kind of work you're doing with helping them in that exploration yeah so I have a few college kids and they're the ones mostly that came to me like okay this is it here's my stuff I've already figured myself out you're just supporting me around other things like family's cool that kind of stuff and then older adults like you know out of college and that sort of stuff it's more identity exploration and yeah putting those boundaries up with parents and like weeding out toxic people from life that like aren't accepting when people come out and that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff it is really interesting to see that what's generally different in different sort of age brackets Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting it's interesting and I again like I love that these like younger people are getting to um just be like this is it no no concerns like this is what it is like this is who I am um that's such a it's such a special thing for them to just be able to like be so like confident in who they are Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and that's not to say that like other issues aren't going to come up for them because of course that there there's always going to still you know be things that they need to work through whether it be anxiety or depression or like I mean I'm sure that there are like self-esteem things in like other ways right like outside of like their gender or sexuality right yeah and what's really really interesting a pattern I've noticed over time is that I'm seeing quite the overlap of people who are gender non-conforming and neurodivergence Mm. and that has been unexpected and really cool um yeah there's actually a book I don't have it but like a book that talks about that it's like gender sexuality and neurodivergence um really interesting I would love to know if there's like research being done on that yeah yeah I think this book probably has some but I've definitely like I've definitely had to to be competent like learn a lot more about neurodivergence than I ever expected mm-hmm. I would in this job and uh, that's one of the cool things about being a therapist is like oh here's a pattern I see let me learn more to be more helpful it's so cool <laughs> yeah I love that too I love getting to just like I mean obviously as social workers we like have to continue like learning all the time because so many things change but I think like with this kind of specialty especially there are probably things that come up so frequently frequently where you're like oh I don't know that word like let me let me learn more about it because this is a new thing um and I feel like it's such a cool opportunity to get to just like keep learning all the time it's so great (laughs) yeah (laughs) are there any other like patterns or things that you've found that come up a lot or things that you feel like um are like pretty consistent and like what you see with clients neurodivergence um let's see like I mentioned earlier like just everyone has depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um I'll think a little bit more on that one because nothing's yeah but I'm sure there is other stuff that I've noticed other patterns yeah sounds good are there any um books that you have like felt like you recommend to clients often 
not so much around gender stuff, but the books that I recommend most often are attached because uh, there's a attach. I think I see patterns in like attachment styles mm -hmm. people who are queer, gender non-conforming. Um, uh, Self-compassion, the book Self-compassion, I recommend to basically everyone because it's like, oh, you're saying mean things to yourself. Here's a book, please, <laughs> please read it. <laughs> um and the body keeps the score are all you recommend that one all the time yeah. i mean it's one of the best trauma books so yeah those are good ones i haven't read attached or self-compassion but now i feel like i i should especially with the population of people that i work with because those are things that i see a lot too right um cool what do you feel like are some of just like generally your favorite books that um, you've felt seen in or you feel like maybe have good like representations of therapy? That's a good question. And it's funny, like I haven't been able to really read books this year. Like I haven't been able to concentrate on them, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm trying to think like what I've seen myself represented in. I should have known you were gonna ask this question. <laughs> um you could think about it and we could come back to it yeah yeah well, the first thing that came to mind was like I read a lot of memoirs so I saw mm -hmm. like Sissy was really good um, yeah and yeah I'll have to think about it I, I most, yeah mostly Casey my wife has me reading romance novels and YA novels for like just brain candy stuff so <laughs> Those are some of the best. I haven't read anything besides YA or romance in probably like four months. Yeah. Yeah. That's all <laughs> I <this year. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I know that somebody, when I had like originally said that we were going to discuss this topic, somebody had asked me if we could talk about um, like what it looks like to work through or like talk about gender dysphoria in therapy. I know that's, it's probably something that you see a lot, but you know, I, I'm interested to know what what kind of things like come up or how you typically would work through something like that with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And I I think it's it's uh, I guess gender dysphoria is a hard thing to work with because from what I've found, like when it's there, it's there and there's not much that can necessarily be done about it the little things that i've talked to people about were like if you're feeling like just out of your body and that sort of stuff well obviously like grounding exercises and that sort of stuff but also doing little things that just give you gender euphoria whether it be like the way that you dress or the way that you smell or something like that like if there's a cologne that you like put it on and sort of enjoy that but also like the things i've noticed are if i'm talking to a client who is depressed and like, I go through all the like, okay, have you talked to your psychiatrist about your meds? How are you eating? How are you sleeping? All that sort of stuff. Like, how's your gender dysphoria? Like, it seems like gender dysphoria can be, like, I've found a lot of overlap with depression and gender dysphoria, which sounds like a really obvious mm -hmm. statement, but also like, I think it's important for people to know, because I know that depression can be like, I don't know why I feel like this and I'm doing all the things and using all my tools and I still feel this bad like maybe being able to think about the fact that it's gender dysphoria is helpful and like taking the power out of or like the, you know the hopelessness out of it um yeah 
And it's just sort of, I think the biggest thing that I offer in that myself is like, yes, I know what you're experiencing because I've experienced it. And sort of like just being in that space with the person and holding the space mm -hmm. and talking about it and relating. Because I mean, gender dysphoria is something that is experienced by trans people almost exclusively. And so mm -hmm. like just knowing someone else knows what you're feeling can be helpful too. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it makes me wonder too, like, I know for me and being in school, I was always taught like self-disclosure is like a really specific kind of tool that should only be used in certain situations. So I'm wondering how often you feel like it's, it helps your clients to like share your own experiences. And if you do that more often because your clients know that you can identify with them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes I have to like, because it is like, yes, yeah, self-disclosure is very specific. You do it for them, not for you, like that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And so I do have to check myself, but it's only because that's in my brain. But like, I, mm -hmm. I do use self-disclosure, particularly about like having had top surgery and being on testosterone and those kinds of things. And I'll tell people about those experiences. Um, yeah, so I do use self-disclosure and feel okay about it because yeah, mm -hmm. it is helpful. Like, yes, yeah. like, I'm experiencing what you are, what you are experiencing, or I have experienced it. And yeah, that just feels good because I know it feels good for me, you know? Yeah, I've actually been having this conversation pretty frequently with my staff members. So I supervise a team of four mm -hmm. and um, one of my therapists like brought up with me recently that she really hates that we like have the kids identify us as like miss whatever. Mm. Um, and she was like, I wish that we could use like a gender neutral term, like rather than having them call us all miss, like whatever. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I was like, you know, like, I don't, I kind of just like disassociate when someone calls me miss Melissa, or I just like, don't, I just like, don't think about it. Um, and I don't really like talk a whole lot at work that like I use she, they pronouns, um, because my everybody that I work with it other than like my direct team is really uneducated when it comes to just like queer stuff in general yeah. um so in the four months or however many months I've been there now most of what I do is educating people on like queer stuff wow. <laughs> and and that's like not at all like what my job is <laughs> so that's I I spend a lot of time doing that I've I've even like I've created different like term like term sheets for everybody to have I have I have signs like in our waiting room that say like alternatives to using like guys and ladies um and I spent a lot of time like doing stuff like that um but that was something like I hadn't even thought about that like these kids coming in are calling us like Miss Melissa Miss Amanda like whatever it is um rather than just like by our names or like even like suggesting an alternative um so something that I'm working on right now to kind of figure out like what might be better or if we just like have them only refer to us by name um, because I feel like it doesn't it doesn't like really represent who we are as people and even if you know like my staff like some of them are queer some of them are not um, even if like we all do identify as female for the most part like that is still something that is putting a lot of emphasis on our gender as an identifier. And I just like, don't love that. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think it's important for kids, especially to be able to see that like your gender is not your whole identity. And I, I just, you know, that's something that I'm struggling with right now, trying to figure out like a better alternative to that and Mm -hmm. a way to still like have them know that like, we are like trusted adults who are like technically like in an authority role, but like not really. And it's, it's a hard balance to find, but what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you feel like, I know since you work mostly with adults, that probably is not as much of an issue, but do you have any like situations like that that have come up? Well, what that makes me think about is like my clients' experiences in the world and like I've worked with teachers and Mm -hmm. non-binary teachers. And so like sort of coming out as a teacher and asking to change the honorific to mix, which like the kids are fine with that. It sounds like in the kids are just like, okay, I'm presented with the information you're giving me. That's cool. Right. Um, yes, it's more struggle with administration. And I guess uh, similar to what you're talking about, like, yeah, having administration helping or just expecting administrations to come up with more inclusive language. Um, yeah. And that is really hard because there's not a lot of language. No one knows the honorific, well, not no one, but you know, like in general, a lot of people don't know the honorific mix and Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's hard. Um, yeah like language is limited we need more of it (laughs) yeah I agree and I that's something that I'm working on too is just like helping my my specific team but also like the rest of our like program like all the staff members that are like really not educated just to like understand that like the language that we have is super limited and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still be like doing our best to be as inclusive as we can with our language um especially like with the kids and especially around the kids like we don't want to teach them that like this is how it is everywhere mm-hmm. right yeah <sighs> I think it's I think it's something that I hope like continues to change over time with like language and use of of those kinds of things because it it seems like it's the kind of thing where it's like well this is how it's always been so like this is how we refer to people and it just seems like we're we're moving past that point of like that being necessary or like appropriate even yeah like we're it really feels like and this might be like my bubble but it feels like we're sort of breaking out of the binary of the way things have always been and realizing that well, everything, gender, sexuality, any sort of human characteristic is more of a spectrum than it is a binary and mm-hmm. you know, just kind of can't be contained into a box. Yeah. And I think these like little, like there are all these like little moments that are opportunities for us to just like, I, I think as therapists, but also just like as people to like continue like trying to shift like the thought patterns of people who are stuck in the binary. Um, this is like a silly example, but I have a, a kid who comes in who is four, like he's, he's very little. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a bin of books for kids to take home so that they could, they could go through the books and pick ones that they liked and take them home and keep them. Um, and he wanted to take a book that was a Beauty and the Beast book. Mm-hmm. And his mom said no. Ugh. And it like, 
crushed me. I was like, this little four-year-old boy really wants this Beauty and the Beast book. Like, let him have it. He can, he can love princesses. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And of course, like, you know, Beauty and the Beast is problematic in its own ways of like, you know, you have to be captured to like fall in love, but whatever. That's not the point. The point is that this little four-year-old boy wanted a princess book and his mom said no. So I, um, I, once I saw that, I, after they left, I took the book out and I put it on the very top of the bin so that next time they came in, I would give it to him. Um, and of course, if his mom is like strict, no, like I have to respect that, but, um, I really, I want him to have that book. I am very, I feel very strongly about that. And I, I'm going to use like my authority and my power that I have in this little program to like try to like teach his mom that it's okay if he likes princesses and that doesn't like there there's no like nothing wrong with that and he he should be allowed to like princesses if that's what he likes and I think especially at four years old like you shouldn't be we shouldn't be deterring kids away from liking what they like because it's for girls or for boys like that's such a harmful way of thinking and um now that I'm saying it out loud I'm gonna try to make his mom read a specific book that I have that I want everybody to read um (laughs) oh wait I can't hear you again sorry I think we're frozen um but anyway, the book that I'm talking about is called Raising Them. You're into, and that doesn't say anything about your gender or like who you're going to grow up to be. And yeah, I hate that. I mean, yeah, there, there's so many, there are so many little things that society in general has like identified as like a boy or a girl thing. And that's really just like such a ridiculous concept. Um, but yeah, Raising Them by Kyle Myers is like one of my my favorite books to like give to people and to just like read in general. But it's a memoir about their experience of raising their kid like in a gender creative way rather than um, in like within the binary of girl or boy. And I know a lot of I know a lot of parents like who are already parents think that that's like a really irrational concept to like do and like focus on but um I hope that there are like little parts of that that like parents can like hold on to and like maybe just shift their perspective in like a small way right yeah I'm gonna have to get that book that sounds great yeah it's definitely a good one it's a memoir so it's all about um Kyle and um their husband Brent's experiences in raising their child in a gender creative way um and Kyle is like a sociologist so she has like all this background on um you know like gender and like all that stuff just in general like that's like what their research specialty is um so it's 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 her memoir but it talks a lot about like some scientific stuff and like um how like her upbringing had like led to them deciding to do it this way mm-hmm. and the struggles of like talking to their families about it and getting their families on board um but she had posted I follow her on Instagram too she had posted recently that um her kid like just was like my pronouns are he him like I'm a boy um mm-hmm. and that was like such an exciting thing to see like 
that like he really he decided now like these are my pronouns like this is this is my this is who I am and like now I I was able to decide that for myself and that was just like an exciting thing to see so cool yeah of like we have a few friends it seems like all of our friends are pregnant and having kids right now and we have (laughs) a few friends who have recently had kids and been like we're just gonna like here's a gender neutral name that we've named the kid and Mm -hmm. like we're just gonna use all different pronouns and let the child decide like who they are and I think that's so cool like one of my friends was like yeah we're having a girl so sex is girl but gender to be determined and I was like oh god I love that (laughs) so good yes that's it's such a like it's I feel like it's such like a vital and like freeing thing for a child to not be given these constraints like from the day that they're born and like have the opportunity to decide for themselves like what they like and who they are and how they identify and like I think we really underestimate that kids like know who they are at such a young age because and I, I always use this as an example like to explain to parents like did you ever like have a crush on somebody when you were little? Like, you know, like you, you liked this like person in your class. And I'm like, do you remember how old you are when you had that first crush? Um, like, yeah, maybe like some, some, some of them say like six or seven, you know? And I'm like, well, if you knew that you had a crush on that person at six or seven, like your kid probably knows that they have a crush on, on this other boy at six or seven. And like, Mm -hmm. that's normal. And like, if you had a concept of like, what your gender was when you were three or four, like developmentally, that's the time of your life when you know what gender is. Then your kid knows at three or four what their gender is too. So to like, to diminish like what they're saying, like about who they are is really harmful because you knew who you were at that age, even though it was congruent with what you were being told. That doesn't mean that they don't know who they are at this age too. Right. Yeah. And like, I guess it'd be good to, because what I thought was like, yeah, a parent sort of dissuading their kid from that. It's like, just because you're afraid of it. Like the parents afraid, like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. That's it. End of story. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, um, it's really, it's really interesting to see though, like how things are shifting now. And it makes me like hopeful that this will be something that like, people are not going to have to come to therapy, like just be just because they are like insecure about their identity specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there will still be other things that therapy is needed for, but I think that that <laughs> is something that I'm hopeful about. <laughs> um, do you, do you feel like when you have people that are like in that older generation, they have a hard time with like being okay with like how they identify? Yeah, definitely. Like, not universal but that's definitely where I see more of that struggle and yeah I guess I'm thinking about one client in particular who is like struggling with just coming out and going on hormones even though that's like what they want and they know they'll feel better but like dealing with particularly religious trauma and trauma from Mm -hmm. childhood like worried about not being accepted by family and all that sort of stuff is much much stronger with my older folks in general than it is with my younger clients yeah and I I hope that like the younger people can like inspire these older people to like feel confident in who they are but I know that there are some things that are like so ingrained in like the way that they have been raised and like just like the way that society has taught them like what's right and what's not right even though that's not like necessarily the case um it's it there's like so much internalized 
stuff that I feel like it probably does take a long time to like work through that if they Mm -hmm. get to that point. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. And like also one of the most heartbreaking parts of doing this work too, it's like, I see you and you're trans and you're fucking awesome. And I'm sorry that you feel like you're terrible because of this. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, I could imagine. And I could imagine it's frustrating to see like, I know for me, like in the work that I do with trauma specifically, I sometimes get like really frustrated when like I understand why somebody is like having behaviors the way that they are before they understand because I just want to shake them and tell them like this is why you're doing this like it's okay let it go um so I can imagine that's really hard too like with with people that are coming with like gender stuff that are like like still working through it and like you probably see it pretty frequently like before they're able to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. yeah it is pretty empowering to be like, hey, yeah, no, your brain's working like this because you have experienced trauma. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that sometimes takes some time for like, cause you've got to like sort of be like, oh, I have experienced trauma, like not minimalize it because probably people probably minimize, minimize yeah. your entire life. And like, yeah, that's a big thing is the, yeah, the frustration of like, I see exactly why you're doing what you're doing. And like, please just listen to me. But like, yeah. Hey, not how that works you got to come to it on your own so yeah what is like one of your favorite experiences that you've had like with a client or like just like seeing things happen in therapy oh man I feel like anytime someone has a moment where they're like they understand themselves they're like oh I do that because this or Mm -hmm. oh yeah I am non-binary and I've noticed like when they see things that they've done through their entire life like oh yeah, I've felt this way my entire life. Maybe I actually am trans. Like those realizations are my very favorite things. Like just any kind of, it doesn't even matter what it's about, but that like moment, that light bulb moment is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I love that too. That's like, it's, I feel like it's such a rewarding thing to see as a therapist when you're like, yes, like you get it. Like I've been waiting for you to like make that connection for all this time now. Yes. And it's so, it's so exciting to see. And you want to just be like, I, like, I already knew that, but great. Like, good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that. I like have recently had one of those moments, like for myself where, um, I think it was, it was five years ago. I did my undergrad, um, like research project on like what helps people be more accepting of gender fluidity. Mm -hmm. And that was like, before I even like had an idea of like gender fluidity, like being an identity, like an identity, like I had no language at that time. Like I really had no idea. It was just like something in my head. And now like looking back, I'm like, of course that was something in my head. Like, Mm -hmm. like that makes so much sense that that was something in my head because my own idea of gender is very fluid and like I don't feel like the binary is like an appropriate thing so like of like why did nobody else realize at that time that like I was researching what helps people accept the idea of gender fluidity like (laughs) five years ago when I was 20 years old like that you know or however old I was 21 22 (laughs) um but yeah it's 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 fun for me now at the age that I'm at now and like where I am with my own identity to look back and see like well yeah of course I was researching those things because how else was I going to explore it at that time right (laughs) yeah yeah that stuff's in there you just gotta make (laughs) and sometimes it takes a while and that's okay (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. It, it's, it's funny to see too, like all of the work that I've helped other people do, like all the kids that I worked with, like while I was in grad school or like at different jobs. And like, I've helped so many like young kids, like explore their own identity before I did that for myself. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so interesting to like look back and see like, oh yeah, like that makes a lot of sense that I felt so strongly about that. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun when we learn things from clients too, because mm-hmm. I think that's, <laughs> this. it feels so silly to say this, but like having non-binary clients who were on hormones is really what made me realize like, oh, just because I'm not a trans man that doesn't mean I can't go on testosterone. Like mm-hmm. actually, that is a thing I can do anything I want to do anything I'm doing. <laughs> like, it's so great to yeah learn things about yourself through your work too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that it almost like gives us this like sense of freedom where we can say like, well, we've just helped this person like figure that out and like do this thing for themselves. Like I could do that too. Right. Yeah. Like I've already helped somebody else do it. Like I could easily do that now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's like part of helping clients get through their own limitations is like that pushes us to get through ours too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell people like stuff all day and then not practice it myself. So sometimes that's right. a, a journey I go on with my own, go on with my own therapist. Like, oh yeah, yeah I help people all day every day I should probably also be equally as nice to myself (laughs) yeah it's I think it's really such like an important thing as therapists to like also be in therapy I I am so grateful that I had like a clinical supervisor who like pushed me into therapy like right when I started working because it helped me like it helped me in a way that like I I don't know how I I consider myself a pretty good therapist, but I don't know that I would be where I am now, like in my own practice, if I didn't do that work myself first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, then that's why I am so in tuned to people's attachment stuff is because mm-hmm. that's definitely a thing I worked out in therapy is attachment wounds. And like, I feel like it's a really helpful insight for other people, but yeah, like doing your own work, is just helpful in making you a better therapist. So yeah I agree um all right so any like thoughts for you know if I if we have any listeners who are queer and like have not explored therapy before maybe because they're afraid or because of stigma or whatever the reason might be do you have any like thoughts or advice for people like that yeah the thing that came to mind was like if it's something you're thinking about maybe talk to friends who are in therapy to get a general idea of like because you can go on psychology today and that's I often push people to that because you can sort by so many things and insurance and all that sort of stuff but like a personal recommendation for a therapist that's been vetted by a friend or someone you trust is I think that can be a good way to get comfortable with it like you know that this therapist is like understands you and what you want to work on um mm-hmm. I think that's how I get a lot of my referrals is sort of word of mouth um mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, just talk to someone you trust about it. Or if you don't feel like talking to someone about it, like Psychology Today is, there's a lot of sorting you can do, particularly by, like, looking for trans queer competent therapists, too. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think there are, there are a lot of therapists who may be on psychology today don't explicitly say like that they are queer, but might be. Uh Um, And I, there's not really a way to like know that if it's not on their profile, but most therapists who like specialize or are able to work with queer people will have that like somewhere on their page that says like they have a specialty or you know like they are open to this or you know whatever it is and it might be that you have to like try on a couple before like you find one that like you're most comfortable with Um, but there are definitely therapists out there who are able to like do that work with you yeah and also a thing that I've found like we as therapists are okay if you tell us we are not a good fit for you Mm -hmm. like we want you to have the best therapist that you can find and uh, yeah we're not going to take it personally I have some clients that are like oh I'm so sorry about this this is like not a right fit or something like that and I'm like that's great can I help you Mm -hmm. find someone else who is and like sort of model that good communication for clients too (laughs) yeah yeah that's something that in my own not in my job right now because we're a program and we're like structured a little bit differently, but Mm -hmm. in like my own practices, like with working with clients, I always say like at the first session, like you have like, you know, we go over like self-determination and confidentiality and all that stuff. And in in all of that, I also like make it a point to say like, if I'm not the right fit for you, like that's totally fine. And I want you to be comfortable to discuss that with me. If you're not comfortable to to discuss that with me, like don't schedule again with me like that's okay I'll get the hint Mm -hmm. um but if you are comfortable to discuss it with me then like we can work together to find somebody who's a better fit for you um because I mean just like in in life like not every person is the right person for you and not every personality is going to match with yours and that's that's totally okay and I think with therapy especially sorry did you lose me for a second somebody was trying to call me um Uh, but I think like with therapy especially you want somebody who you feel like is a good personality match right like even even though as therapists like we're trained to do certain things and like we you know we're competent in all these different areas and like we have specialties and whatever there's there's still even if I'm a match for you in every way in terms of my training and my specialties I might not be a match for you with my personality and like that's okay like you don't have to work with me just because I specialize in what you need if like you don't feel like my personality is a good fit for you because I'm not going to change my personality to like (laughs) match like what you need but I'm you know some therapist will be a good fit for you and that's totally okay. Right. I had started screening a little bit more carefully for people who get my sense of humor because I use humor in therapy and I find that clients who also use humor often as like an avoidance tactic, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) that's just who I vibe the best with and who I think get the most out of working with me. And so, yeah learning those little kinds of things as I go on in my career about who I am going to be a good fit for too. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's such an important thing to do as a therapist Mm -hmm. to be able to like help people in the best way. Yeah. I love that. Um, Do you have any, any last thoughts or any like other things that you feel like you want people to know? Therapy's great. (laughs) thought about it go for it (laughs) yeah (laughs) love that perfect um do you want to tell people where they can find you like online or you know anywhere like that 
Yeah, so I have a website. It's mixthomas.com. Um, all of my social media is locked down, but I am in the called mix on most platforms. So like you can find me and try to add me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> my website and psychology today are the best places to get to me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me and for doing this. I I hope that even one person who listens might go to therapy just to after hearing us talk about it. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Of course.